0: What is going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Creator Clubhouse podcast. My name is Prince, along with my other host, DJ, the most and
1: Vera. BB.
0: <laughs> Today, we have a very special guest, Brian Martinez, founder of Studio, where they help artists amplify their creative businesses. Let's go, Brian. Welcome to the What's show. What's up,
2: guys? What's up? Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here virtually. I wish I was on the mustard couch, but I'm not. But in spirit, I am. Because I just feel like I blend in so well with the color you know, of the
0: couch. I, I wish you were too. Uh, that would be <laughs> in my hearts. But for now, this uh, this digital landscape will work for us. Why don't you start us off with giving us just a quick background um, on yourself you your start? and what you're doing?
2: How would I get my start? Man, Ah. Uh, Man, I grew up in the hood and then it was like, I got to get out of here. So I went to college. So I wasn't tall enough to play basketball. Uh, and then, um, man, honestly, I went into public accounting and I hated it. Like, yeah, um, have any of you been accountants before?
0: No,
1: I've just taken an no. accounting class.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, imagine doing it for like no. 80 yeah. hours a week <laughs> for tears of your life. It was horrible. Uh, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. And so afterwards, when I left, no one would give me a job. So I was like, because they wanted me to be an accountant. You know how society tries to box you in? And uh, so they tried to box me in. I was like, nah. So I started starting companies. So I ended up in tech. Um, and just over the years, I've worked with so many creatives. And I went freelance myself. And like, what I've learned, like, I've struggled so much be, being an entrepreneur that once I went freelance, I had crushed it. And then I saw so many other people around me that weren't crushing it. And I realized they had never really gone through the trenches of, like, accounting, for example, to get better at what business would require. So, um, so now I just, you know, before COVID, I was actually flying around the country doing personal development trainings nonstop for various organizations, like hundreds of people in the room. I was kind of yelling at people for a living. Uh, Have you ever been to a Tony Robbins training? I was
1: just going to say Tony Robbins.
2: Yeah. So someone took my training once. They're like, man, Tony Robbins Mm -hmm. is like a light beer and you're like a triple shot of tequila. Dang, okay. okay, And I was like, all right. So that's what I was doing. And now, so like studio, we're kind of combining like the biggest, the business acumen and like, how do I push you mentally so that you're doing stuff that makes you really uncomfortable? So it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Is that a good enough background? It's like a, yeah, that was great. Dude, that was wonderful. Arc, that's yeah. perfect.
0: I mean, the, the, t- the tech, I'm a little curious, just like what in tech, like tech's obviously kind of a bland term that people throw out. So I'm curious, like what in tech were you doing? Oh,
2: man. So first I did an education tech company and ed tech is tough because uh, the school districts are, I mean, they're corrupt. Let's just yeah. be honest, like right. they're corrupt. Uh, and then I got to the 3D printing space. So, you, you know, the saying like sell uh, pitchforks to the miners. So we were selling plastic to everyone who's making 3D printers. And we had the best plastic around. So we were plastics guys. So we did Y Combinator, raised a bunch of money. And then I was at Airbnb. And so my longest stint was at Airbnb. And that's when I was flying around the world, making sure we had enough houses, which is actually a a huge challenge for Airbnb. Like, how do you get people to let strangers into their home? We had to figure that out. That's tough. What was your role at Airbnb? Man, you know, when I started, I came in on a team that was just built to turn markets around. So if we got hammered by a law, we might be bleeding. Uh, San Francisco is a good example. We were losing like uh, 10% of our homes every week when I joined. Um, And honestly, why I joined was like, it was like a blank check. You know, as an entrepreneur, one of the challenges is raising money. Mm -hmm. And when I joined Airbnb, they're like, here's money.
1: Yeah, just like they figure it, it out.
2: All the money. <laughs> yeah. They had all the money. So, like, here's a play, just like figure it out. And so, we we're just throwing money at it. And so, we figured out what worked. And then, the rest of my time there was scaling that. So, the tactics we built in San Francisco ended up becoming global tactics. So, referral programs, ambassador programs, affiliate type marketing, like, we just leaned hard into people powered growth, is what we would call it. Nice. Um, and that's what I've helped expand around the globe. And it's like to this day, one of their largest tactics. Nice. for awesome. growth yeah
1: and yeah. then you said you had like a stint as a freelancer kind of in between two what was your freelance <laughs> goal?
2: yeah man so i left airbnb because um two things happened for me one was i felt like i could make more money referring homes back to airbnb than airbnb was paying me so it's kind of <laughs> a classic like you got so good at your job you realize you could sell it back to the company yeah um but the second thing was like randomly in a lift line I I I met like a lift carpool. I met a girl who had done a personal development training and I was feeling stuck at Airbnb because I wanted to start another company. And I had like all the skill set to jump, but I was more terrified than ever. Yeah. And I think it was this idea in my mind of I don't want to fail again publicly. So I thought I'd be at Airbnb for a year and I was three and a half years in. I was still there. So I did this personal development training she told me about. And it was the first time in my life that someone recognized I had this like acute public speaking ability and like, just, just tell me what to do and I'll go try it. I'm like willing to fell on my face. And so they're like, Hey, let's show you how to do these seminars at a high level. Um, and so, yeah, I just started doing seminars with them and then I started freelancing and doing it with other companies. Gotcha. So it's creative in that you come in and you say, um, Hey, here's what you want. We want you to accomplish with our team. And then I have to figure out how to accomplish that. I have to figure out how to evoke whatever those emotions are. Yeah. And so we end up creating these experiences that, you know, break you through whatever's stopping you in your life. Nice. Yeah. So, uh, Fun
1: stuff. So from working with a bunch <laughs> of freelancers, like, uh-huh. working with a bunch of freelancers, like what do you see as like the biggest challenge for them? Like what's the biggest hurdle that they
2: face? So all of us as humans, we have like all these stories in our mind that drive us, right? Like your ego formed before you're 12. And it's like all this stuff that holds you back. So they have that. And that definitely holds them back. Um, But how it shows up for them, it's really around self-worth. That's why they don't charge more. Um, That's why they take jobs that they don't want because there's a self-worth conversation. And then uh, beyond that, like they need to open themselves up to way more feedback, like brutally honest feedback. And what I've realized is like not enough of us have people that don't keep it 100 with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we don't grow. That's and So I see that. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, I was just
1: going to say, sorry, there's like a little bit of a delay too. So I, I feel like I keep interrupting you, but that's not me. It's not good.
2: <laughs> it's all good. Man.
1: Yeah. No, I feel like that's, that's a really interesting point because when you're working at a, like an agency, let's say, or like a company, you have like a boss and your boss is like, yeah, it's my right to tell you what to do or like how to do your job better. But when you're like a freelancer, you're kind of like on your own. And it's like, the clients aren't always going to be like, Hey, you know, whatever, do this differently. And then like your colleagues or like friends or whatever might not say that either. And so you don't get that like honest feedback. There's like
0: the feedback loop is like really big. Right. Or more importantly too, I think a lot of freelancers don't ask the clients for feedback on what they delivered because they totally. don't, they're afraid and they don't actually, yeah, they don't want to hear the feedback. They're just like, here you go. Mm-hmm. It's good. We're good. And goodbye, rather than asking, you know, is there anything I can improve on? Mm-hmm. How was the communication? How was the process? Is there any, you know, what did you love about working with me? Anything that you disliked about working with me or whatever it may be. And those are opportunities to, to learn and grow. And so let's talk about uh, maybe starting with, since feedback's a big, big topic for us, you know, from your perspective, why is feedback so important first and foremost?
2: Uh, I think feedback's important because you can't see yourself from the outside. I wrote a blog on this once and I was like, to make it super simple, it's like, you know, those days when you get home and you have like a booger in your nose and you're like, wait a minute, was that in my nose all day? And you start to think about how many people I ran into that I saw did they see it? Did they not say anything? You know what I mean? And, and like that, like feedback is someone telling you, Hey, you have this thing that's in your way right now. Let's handle that. Um, And I think that the reason people don't tell you you have a booger in your nose is because they're scared to give you feedback. Yeah. Yeah. They're scared to bring it up. Uh, And then later you're scared to ask them later whether that happened. Cause then you have to admit that you did something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a cool analogy, right? Yeah, like that's that-
0: so good.
1: <laughs> the booger analogy. Right. Yeah, I always tell my friends like if I have something on my face or in my nose or in my teeth, like if you're a real friend, you should definitely just tell me. Like it's so much more embarrassing, like you're saying to just like not know and just be like walking around like a dork. Like it just is not, yeah. you know, it's not chill. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, well, that's how we all grow too, right? It's like shining mirrors at each other. And by reflecting what other people are seeing, it gives us perspective to know like, okay, like, wow, need to work on that. Wow, didn't realize I looked this way when I left the house or whatever it may be. Um, yeah.
2: Right. And that's just like physical. I think where it gets really interesting is, is, hey, you're you're showing up to a lot of your conversations this way. Mm -hmm. So like, if my friend's uncomfortable telling me I have a booger in my nose, they'll probably be really uncomfortable telling me how I show up in my romantic relationships over and over and over again. Yeah, Um, I think sometimes it's actually easier for strangers to give us feedback than our friends. hundred percent. Because like. You know they know your history, and they've been sitting on it for a long time. Like when you sit on something for a while, it explodes at some point. And yeah. um, how do they give that feedback lovingly when they know they should shouldn't should have given you that feedback three years ago? Yeah,
0: you know, I think it takes courage too. I think it takes a lot of courage to to be open to feedback, to want feedback, and it takes courage to give feedback, especially yeah. if, it's um, not, if it's not asked for you know, um, given a friend situation, if you're observing something over and over and your friend and you're the observer, uh, it takes courage to step outside of that box and be like, Hey, I've noticed this pattern in you and just wanted you to be aware of it because it keeps happening. And I love you. And so I'm telling you this.
2: Exactly. And it has to come on both sides and there has to be care there. Like courage happens on both sides. There needs to be care and there gets to be permission too. Mm-hmm. Um, because people don't often ask for feedback, but before you give it, you should ask for permission. Then I when I go back to Airbnb, I had this manager once who was awesome. She's actually the CEO of uh TaskRabbit now. Mm-hmm. Uh yes. and she's a huh? I
1: just used Task Rabbit for the first you time did? the other day. Yeah.
2: It's a it's anyway. an awesome service. Like if you're trying to move, put some furniture together. I think IKEA like integrates with it now.
1: Oh, cool. Um
2: but uh, her name's Anya. And I remember my one of my first meetings with her, I was taking notes. And so, you know, when you take notes, you're not paying as much attention to what's presently happening because you're taking notes on something that just happened in the past. And then someone asked me a question and I wasn't ready for it. Uh-oh. And they had to ask the question again. And she brought me into that meeting. So she felt pretty embarrassed by it. And so I remember leaving the meeting. And we are walking away and she goes, I'm going to give you some feedback. And she just like went in with it. And it was so, like, I appreciated the feedback, but she didn't ask me if she could. She just like went in and hammered it. And that was kind of her style. And she's really effective with that. But like, I think often when we like explode with our feedback, if we don't ask for permission, it goes awry. And then we're hesitant to give feedback in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah, It's kind of traumatic too, for the recipient, like on both sides, it's like not...
1: It's just like anything else. Like you have to be respectful and it has to come from like a the right place. Otherwise it's like, can either make the person not receptive to feedback in the future or can just like break their spirit, which is not the goal. It's not like right. crushing someone. It's you want them, you ultimately want people to be better. And that's the reason for feedback.
0: And it's like a love language thing. It's a it's a form of communication. And some people, it depends on how open you are on the receiving end, right? So a lot, like oftentimes if you're super open and and say really comfortable in what you do you may just be able to accept the feedback and 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 not mind someone asking permission or not but if you're more defensive or more closed off you're gonna have a a reaction that's normally the default mode is defense like i'm under attack and it's going to be a different experience
2: right because you feel like you're under attack um Man, you just brought something up that was really good. Uh, I hate when I lose my train of thought. You know, you walk in the kitchen, you forget why you walked in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> um in the standing in the fridge. <laughs> yeah, you're like, why? You always go to the fridge, but like, you probably didn't mean to go to the fridge. It's just <laughs> natural. Uh, so I do think that to your point, Prince, if I can be vulnerable before I give feedback, then usually the feedback is met better. And so vulnerability before you give feedback, it's pretty simple. I could say something like, Hey, listen, this is really uncomfortable for me. I want to offer you something and I don't know how to say it, you know, but I really care about you. And can I tell you what I see? Now I've just told you like I'm really uncomfortable with this. I don't really want to tell you, but I care enough about you that I need to. And I've just dropped my wall a bunch. So yeah. hopefully you dropped yours as well. And then to your point, DJ, and I, I remember what I th- thought about at the refrigerator. Um, If I can't see your masterpiece, then I should not be giving you feedback. Mm -hmm. So I have to see, I have to believe in you and see what's possible for you on the other side. And I'm giving you feedback at what is not that thing. It's kind of like my mentor always talks about like the David sculpture and how it was a marble block. And he chipped away at everything that was not the David. And so with feedback, similarly, let me see your masterpiece and let me chip away at this stuff. That's not your masterpiece. Yeah. I think often people weaponize feedback because huh. they're like, you're wrong. You're not doing this right. Yeah. You're frustrating me. So let me tell you what you should stop doing, but I'm not looking at what's possible for you. And I think that's yeah. what we really weaponize and get it wrong.
0: That's really good. I love that. Really I had something pop in my head. It's basically you have like what is and what could be and feedback is the in between of what is and what could be. Yep.
2: Yep. Yeah, exactly.
0: So why do you think so then why do you think so many, you know, freelancers, especially in the creative industry specifically, you know, our audiences, photographers, filmmakers, graphic designers, uh, all types of creative types, why do you think they specifically avoid the feedback?
2: Yeah, I think feedback is very like in, the, in this space, it feels very performance based. And a lot of these creators have a, a higher level of imposter syndrome than what I've seen in the professional realm, because your work isn't really it's not like it's not as uh measurable. Right? It's like you hit the number you didn't in finance or, or accounting. It's hard to quantify. Uh, and so I think we get a little bit more insecure about our work because like it's so tied to who I am personally. Mm-hmm. Um And so when someone questions my work, it's so close to them questioning who I am as a person. And so feedback just feels a little bit more challenging. Um, And I think the other thing is like, if I feel like an imposter already in my life, I'm sure you've had talks about imposter syndrome. um, Feedback can make my imposter syndrome worse because it's this weird loop where like, if I get the feedback and I already feel like I winged it or I procrastinated it, I'll take that feedback as evidence for me, like slipping through the cracks one more time. And I'll reinforce this story that next time I won't be able to slip through the crack and they're going to discover it next time. And I also think that's part of why even when creators crush jobs, like they don't reach back out to past clients often to do more work with them Mm -hmm. when it's the easiest way for them to make more money. It's because when I reach back out to a client, there's a feedback component of it that I'm afraid of because I don't truly know the result of my deliverable because it's not as measurable. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Totally. Yep.
1: You hit on something really interesting there, how like a lot of creatives see their work as like their identity. They're like, Oh, this is the work where it's like different from like a corporate job, like accounting, let's say, it's like the work that you do really is very disconnected from who you are as a person. Like you might be a better accountant, but it's not like your flavor. It's not your identity. It's not your brand that's on the work that you're doing necessarily. But like with creative, it's like people hire you because it's like they might like your style or they might like something specific that you do or your flair or whatever. And so when you get feedback on that, like, I I do see this. A lot of people are like, it's, it's not just feedback on my work. It's feedback on me. And so it like seems heavier, but I think, a good trick for people to to like put into place is to be like just cuz that feedback's on my work like that work is not me and also like taking it in that the when somebody gives you feedback even if it's bad feedback even if it's coming from like not the best place it's still always good to like assess the feedback and be like oh maybe there is a blind spot that's the way that I look at feedback even cuz I've had like I've had really bad managers and stuff in the past where I'm like they definitely could have delivered that, that a little bit better. Like they could have like at the time and like with, like when I was super young, I worked at an agency and I'm just like, that could have been delivered better, but whatever. I had a blind spot and like using those things as a, it's like a mirror, like, like just like what you were saying, it's like a mirror. And it might be a mirror that is shining some blinding light on you. That's like painful, but you're like, dang, okay. I, I got, I definitely got some like catch up spilled on myself. Or whatever. And it's like a good chance. It's always an opportunity. That's why I love people like around me who are like keeping the loops going. Cause I'm like, it's a good chance to like be more self-aware and like examine.
0: Absolutely. I think to piggyback off what you said too, you know, creativity is emotional uh, and, 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 a lot of us as creatives, we start creating for ourselves. We don't like start in like a corporate environment. And so it, it's like this very emotional thing that's attached to you. And it's really hard to separate that when you kind of go into the freelance business world. And so it's almost like you need to create separation before you go into these meetings and like put your armor on and know that like this feedback is separate from me. Like this is a product and it's not, and this is feedback on a product that mm-hmm. I created and a product that I am delivering, and not feedback on my character and who I am as a person. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Exactly. It's a little separate. In fact, it's probably feedback on like who I'm not actually, who I, who I'm not at as a person when I'm living like my true biggest self. Yeah. Like when I'm when I'm like for me personally, when I'm like crushing it in a life and I'm doing something I really care about, I'm. It's easy for me to wake up in the morning. Like today, I woke up at six thirty if it's like a whatever day and I don't have vision driving me, I might sleep like eight, eight 30. Like I, that's not my best self. And so usually the feedback is on what isn't your best self. And mm-hmm. you're right. We have to kind of separate it, uh, separate it a bit to see it. But, uh, to your point, DJ, I mean, both of you guys are kind of making this in your own ways. Like we don't train people to give feedback, even our managers like that we work yeah. with. And so like, So we talk about like why don't creators ask their clients like their clients aren't trained to give feedback either yeah you know i saw someone give feedback once he's like yeah i have some feedback for you you're a dick (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's
2: like that is that is not useful information like feedback is information it's meant to be supportive of the person receiving it so they can make a change yeah and then the person receiving it it's like going to zara like let me put on this jacket does it fit does it not fit if it doesn't fit just throw it away yeah right if it does fit me let me carry it and let me use it but we don't train people to say like hey my experience of you is this like it's not like you're a jerk my experience of you is jerkiness you know (laughs) my my experience of
1: you is that you're a jerk, (laughs) and
2: i don't
1: want to interact with you Yeah. <laughs> no, so do you have like a system for giving feedback? Like even I'm sure you do you manage people right now?
2: Yeah, I do. I too.
1: So do you have like a system in place, whether it's like either like, let's say it's managerial feedback or if it's like creative feedback, what's your like, what's
2: your process? Yeah. So I'm pretty direct that you probably know this now. And I expect directness from my people too. I try to use a little bit more comedy in my feedback. Yeah. So I'll let my people who work with me know what my alter ego does when I'm, when my ego is driving me, when I'm trying to avoid stuff. And like those traits have a name. I call them Juan Carlos. Okay. And like straight up my co-founder or my, my, my uh, people who report to me can just be like, Like, did Juan Carlos write this? Or like, is Juan Carlos driving this meeting? And that checks me to be like, you know what? You're right. Brian should be in the driver's seat right now, not Juan Carlos. So that's the tactic that we use. Um, When we train our members, though, it's all about their, we try to teach them to own their experience and not make it about the other person. So my experience is this, or if I was in your shoes, I would, I would consider this. So it's never like you should do this, or you should change this, or this should be the next step. Because we always teach people that Uh, you don't know what steps someone should take. I'm not in your shoes. I'm not running your business. I'm running mine. So I can't tell you what you should do, but I would consider XYZ my experience in a similar situation was this and this is my legitimate experience i'm not telling you what your experience should be or is going to be and like we use that in-house also
1: yeah that's good that's really powerful i think that that it takes away that ability to be super defensive because you're not like being prescriptive in in what the person should do and so they're not like i've always noticed when when you do that, when you're like, oh, you should do this, you should, people get very defensive and they're like, well, you, who are you to tell me what to do? And it like, just creates this like wall in between the, the feedback. Like it, it makes it
2: so that it doesn't pass through. Yeah. I, and you can see them shut down, right? You can see them as sh- you're shooting all over. So we, we tell people don't shoot all over people. And like, you can mm-hmm. see them start to collapse, get mad, their egos, like the walls up. Yeah. Nothing's getting in anymore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think another important thing, uh, I do the same thing as far as like when people, whether it's business or life, it's always like, here's my story rather than here's what you should do. And for me, I think the main reason for that is uh, what works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So for me to just be like, this is how you do this. It's like, dude, my, the way I think is completely different, where I live, my whole setup, my whole yeah. thing. Uh, I learned that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I had a, a lot of people when I was young and I had my my various startups that would come and give me this like hard feedback. And it used to drive me nuts because I'm like, just because these things worked for you, like I'm, our business is completely different than yours. It's nothing like your business. You're 45 years old. I'm 22. Like these things just don't add up and your feedback doesn't really help because I can't just go put that in my business, but your story, you know, the parable would, would give me something that I can sit on and mm-hmm. chew on and learn from and, and, and be able to implement into my own life.
2: Yeah. And oftentimes like we know, like, you know, your business is struggling, you know, you should be trying certain tactics. You give me more feedback on what I already know. It's not really helping me. Like mm-hmm. I think about people when they're in like uh, challenging relationships, right? they, the growth, like they have been together for five years and you've been knowing since year one, they shouldn't be together. Yeah. And they're always complaining about the relationship. Like they don't need you to say they should leave. They already know they should leave. Yeah. That's not the challenge. It's yeah. something else that's there. Um, And so feedback usually is really supportive. It's like, we try not, we try to never tell people and st- like, and we'll clean this up in a studio power group. If someone starts leaning into advice or you should, like the group interrupts it now. They're like, no, 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 no. Stop it. Yeah. It's not about that. Uh, it's about shared experience and like, you know, seeing someone's masterpiece. Gotcha. I love feedback, guys. I can talk about feedback all day. One <laughs> thing I do want to say, though, is uh, as I started like flying around the country doing more and more uh, uh, personal development trainings, like I started meeting way, way more people. They would follow me on social media, or whatever. Like people, and we teach feedback. Like people started feeling like they had permission to give me feedback. Interesting. And they don't know me and they haven't walked in my shoes. And so yeah. I had to learn to dismiss feedback from people who weren't in, in the arena with me. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not playing the game that I'm playing at the level that I'm playing it, thank you for sharing. And down. <laughs> I can't use that feedback. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to use it. I'll listen to it. I'll like observe it. Maybe there's something there for me, but I had to learn to be selective about who I actually care about, whose feedback I care about. Yeah. And then I had to choose a few people that, and I just gave them full permission to like, hey, yeah. give me whatever feedback you see because I trust you and I respect you. Yeah. Um, and so that's something I've definitely had to learn. And I feel like as create, as anyone, but especially as creatives, if you just mm-hmm. have this core of like, hey, here's <laughs> the five people whose feedback I really, really trust, Yeah. yeah. R- rely on those people. And
1: reach out and give them the license to give you that feedback
2: give them the license. Like I have a friend who will just, even when I'm the, m- my most resistant, she will say, shut the fuck up and take the feedback. Yeah. Cause she even <laughs> recognizes like my resistance to take the feedback and I love her for it. Uh, but I had to give her that permission, that license. Yeah.
1: yeah. I love that. Uh, I feel like, I feel like not everyone, especially in creative work, like not everyone's opinion matters because a lot of people don't have context. So like, if you took a piece of work, let's just say it's a logo or a piece of creative, whatever, and you show it to 10 people and like, you know, seven out of 10 of those people aren't even creatives and they don't understand the mission of the brand and they don't under, like, they haven't done that before. Like their opinion is just not going to hold as much weight. I feel like everyone has an opinion and the, the, the more high level you do work, people's opinions start coming in more. Yeah, But like, like you're saying there, there's key people whose opinions should really matter and i feel like it's people with context of you as a person and then also with context of like whatever the the work is as well mm-hmm.
0: I love yeah, what you yeah. said about the the man in the arena and in the feedback. I think a beautiful thing about feedback when 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 outside people that maybe aren't playing the same game at the same level you're at, I think it's a great way to even turn the mirror back on yourself and see where you're at in your development. Because I can think back to myself when I would react in a defensive way to that type of feedback or be upset or annoyed, versus now to where like I let them talk and I'm just kind of chuckling inside. I think it's really interesting that they're giving me feedback on something that they're playing down here and they're not on the same level. Um, And you're able to just let it pass by. Like it doesn't stick at all. It just kind of just breezes right past you and you go on with it.
2: Yeah. You have to let it flow through you. And I see the courage it took for them to yeah, walk up and, for sure. and tell me what they're telling me, for you know, sure. but like, I just think that like, I love basketball and I just like, I hate one of my biggest puppies guys. is when I go to a game and LeBron's on the floor, cause I live in LA LeBron's on the floor and uh, some dude who just like ate three hot dogs and is drinking a drink Coca-Cola is like yelling at LeBron to run faster. Like if you, if it was that easy, don't you think he would run faster? Like yeah. you go run faster, you go try. Like you're not in that arena. You have no right telling LeBron what he should be doing on the court. That's true. You I know? love that.
0: So, so I love feedback, but one of the things I've realized, you know, working in the creative space and the business space and, and specifically for creatives, and this is a huge thing, for creatives when they when they jump out on their own and they go into freelance is it's really difficult to hold themselves accountable. It's yeah. hard to when when no one's when no one's holding you accountable for like what time you're getting up, when you're working, when you're turning projects in, all these things. I think that's, you know, a huge huge roadblock for creatives is accountability. So how and it, and it's such an important part to their success, right? I mean, accountability is kind of like the uh, kind of seals the coffin for most, most creatives, because especially if you're working with the business, like accountability is extremely important to us. Like if you say that you're going to deliver something on a Thursday and we're shipping it to a client on a Friday and you don't deliver on a Thursday, you're not going to get hired again, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what are some ways that in you know in your, in your business and in your experience that creatives can, can work on accountability or what are some frameworks to set up ways to help keep them accountable?
2: Yeah. So these are really good questions. And I think that um, like uh, your results, results, the results you have in your life is like the biggest feedback you can have. Like you want to know what you're committed to look at your results. And I think that in general, when it comes to creatives that are doing client work, they don't actually struggle when it comes to accountability towards the client, because like you said, there is a deadline, you know, where they start dropping their accountability, their accountabilities to themselves. Like that's the number one place where I'll cut corners is when I'm accountable to me, Mm -hmm. right? If someone else is making me go to the gym, I'll get up. If I'm in the military and I have to get up and do exercise, I'm going to get up and do it. It's when I'm going to the gym. And so what I've noticed about creatives is it's things like updating my brand takes forever. It takes them like a year to get it done. Sending out the newsletter takes months to get it done. Um, because like, I'm holding myself accountable. I just need other people that know this is my goal of mine. And I need to show up in a way, show up in a place where I feel like that not getting it done is kind of like a a certain amount of pain. So I'll I'll give you an example. I told you I was in Y Combinator. um, uh, And um, Y Combinator is like a pressure cooker for startups. It's crazy. And It's a cultural crazy because they're not really pushing you, but what they do is you have these office hours with 10 other companies and you show up, it's you, 10 companies, and just two Y Combinator partners that invested in you and they'll just go down the line. Hey, did you grow by 10% week over week the past two weeks? Did you grow by 10% week over week? Did you grow by 10% over week? And like, what becomes clear is you do not want to be the entrepreneur that shows up in the room that did not grow Hmm. by 10% week over week. So in between those meetings, you work your ass off because you're like, I'm not going to be that guy. (laughs) Um, And so like, we try to develop systems that are kind of similar where if you show up and it's, we're very, we're, we're yes, no, there is no gray area. Like you either got what you said you're going to get done or you didn't. And the evolution of that for us that we've developed is like teamwork on that. So now we have people playing teams where like they don't wanna to lose to other teams. They don't want teams to outperform them. Um, and so getting these creators, putting them in a competitive space where like we're actually checking up on you and it's yes or no, there is no yellow. Like they get way more done and they support each other. So we've seen that seen that work. And honestly, where they cut the corners the most is business development. Like that's where they really pull back it sounds like there's a zombie attack happening <laughs> yeah, yeah oh man yeah, yeah it's <laughs> hold on a second yeah this guy's like doing a leaf blower i'm gonna see if you can do a different side of the building for 10 minutes me <laughs> second,
0: i love that your books are all color-coded or at least the two the the, yeah. the two rows are no, they all are. no the other no the bottom's not oh yeah okay but white Let's black see. red and blue It could be, though, because now it's purple, purple, blue, green, red, white, orange. It's rainbow, (laughs) maybe. Yeah, it's fascinating. (laughs) It's interesting, too, with the account with self accountability. I think a lot of it, like the root of a lot of that is fear, like not doing the newsletter or not. A lot of it's fear because you're like afraid that it's not going to perform. And so it's like that. It's like that insecurity that. I don't want to do it because I'm afraid of like what the results are gonna be. I got to (laughs) (laughs) up and live. Hey back. Hey guys. What's What's up? I got to practice my Spanish. Oh Uh,
2: but they stopped for 15 minutes. And I heard what you said. The top two rows are my books. Nice. The bottoms, my, my girlfriend's books. Okay. So it's a little bit about personalities right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. We
0: like emailing them on Amazon? Do you have a blue cover? <laughs>
2: yeah. It's like, I only buy red, blue, black, and white
0: books. <laughs> it's like, sorry, sir. <laughs> All the greats are those colors. Um, All right, where Where were we? I don't know, but we were talking about, I mean, we were just chatting about kind of like with accountability and... I was saying, I feel like the underlying root of creatives not holding themselves accountable, like you like brought up a perfect example, like launching a newsletter will take them months or updating their brand will take them a year or whatever it may be. And I feel like, like the newsletter, for example, a lot of creatives have this underlying fear of launching something they Have this fear of like, what if the newsletter's not good? What if people don't sign up? What if like, and so they, they, they get caught. I call it being caught in the dryer or the washer. They get caught in this cycle of like starting and then fear kicks in and then they take a step back and then they start and then and, then, and they hype themselves up and then they get back in the arena and then fear kicks in and it's, and they chug like that for two months, three months, four months, until a guy like you comes in and is like, Hey, snap out of yeah. it yeah
2: <laughs> and i come in and i say like you have five minutes to do this <laughs> and they're like what like i got to pick the perfect image and the perfect message i'm like it's a story it's going to disappear in 24 hours like why are you wasting time yeah um but yeah absolutely that that is it like we get stuck in like what's going to happen so one thing i like this is so great prince one of the things i challenge creators to do is um, send out life update emails. So they're not newsletters, they're just life update emails to past clients, people who care about you, uh, friends and family, people that actually wanna support you, right? The people whose feedback you really care about. Um, and I'm like, yeah, make a list, few hundred people, send it every six months. That's how they'll know you moved to LA. That's how they'll know the sort of work you have been doing, et cetera. Always get this question. When Every time I pitch this, I always get this question. What if people like wanna unsubscribe? Like who cares? Like your mom's not gonna unsubscribe from your emails. Like that, it's not gonna happen. But then it stops them from like the one unsubscribe they might get stops them from messaging the hundreds of people that could support them. And like we just have this skewed, like this skewed reality of pain sometimes, where like that one unsubscribe feels so painful. But I'm ignoring the pain I'm in right now because my business isn't growing and isn't operating at a level that I want it to be. So I'm already in pain. You just got to choose your heart. What hard do I yeah. want? Do I want the one unsubscribed? Do I want the heart of my business failing? And it's just crazy that so often as humans, we will choose the hard failure versus the risk. You uh-huh. know? And accountability supports because like someone else will say, listen, that should take an hour. Call me back when it's done. Otherwise you owe me a hundred pushups. I'll assign pushups too. Like, <laughs> like there has to be a price to pay because you're already paying a price. So I got to set up a price for you to pay by, by felling too. I yeah. And, and then it's way more powerful when like they do this with each other and I don't need to be involved. Yeah. Like, that's what accountability really takes off. Like I, like where the train like when they don't need me anymore and I can go home and they just run like that's success, that success. So are you guys like an incubator for creatives? What is, what is, studio- no, I wouldn't say that. I'd say like studio, we've been trying to define this recently. So I'm going to yeah. push this for the first time. Perfect. <laughs> I realize that. You like, get feedback. <laughs> you can get if feedback. we have license. Yeah. <laughs> you do have license. Uh, I respect the three of you. Um, <laughs> studio, uh, like we thought that we needed to push people to make money. And what we've come to realize over time is like what studio really is, is it's the team that you don't have when you're working solo. But it's not the team under you; it's the peer team. It's the people that are in the trenches working just as hard as you. So when you have a bad day, they'll get it and they can provide feedback. They can hold you accountable because they're playing the same game, right? Their connections. When they get a job that they don't, they're not qualified for, and they pass it to you. You respect it because it's coming from them, and they start operating like this unit. Um, And that, like studio, is just like this. This like. These units that just push each other to get better. So, like, they make way more money, but I think it's because of the emotional risks that they encourage each other to take. Um, and that's why it's working so well. Gotcha.
1: I we
0: love that.
2: So, is it like, I guess, is it a space? Is it a, like, is there mentoring? Like, what's the, more like a mastermind? Yeah. Yeah. So, we give them, uh, so we give them two types of groups. We give them a power group, which is where I can come and say, here's what I'm struggling with. What's been your experience with something similar. So it's almost like group therapy, like team driven therapy to some extent. Uh, it feeds like the soul, your heart, you know, uh, I, I can come in and say hey, I'm struggling with my girlfriend and I'll receive support on that subject. And then you have these things called working groups, which is all accountability. Every other week I come in and I say, Hey, here's what I said that's I going to get done. And I'm marking it red or green. I did, or I did not. And so people progress faster because they have those goals. And then outside of that, like there's a, there's a whole network aspect of like the roster is really powerful and the power is in the roster. So there's one-on-ones and we'll bring in guest speakers and stuff like that. And so it is a bunch of community activities, but we have certain core products that we offer. And those are those working groups and those power groups. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How do you guys make money? They pay us to be in the group. Like they pay, they pay, they pay two hundred dollars a month, and most of them end up making thirty to fifty percent more per month after three months in studio. So it pays for itself. Yeah, and then like most of them pay annually actually after they're in for a few months because of the value there. Yeah, I think that the challenge is like if you've never operated on like a killer team, you won't get it until you're on a killer team. You know what I mean? Hundred percent like you guys are a team, you obviously crush it. You work together. So you get it. Like when I'm on a team and my peers are solid, I grow way faster. Um, Yeah. And if I'm, but when I've been working solo, like when people think team means who works for me and that's actually not your first team, that's your second team.
0: Totally. And I think, you know, you're talking about growing. I think when, when, when growth mindset is the culture Mm -hmm. of your team, like, then you realize like, we're all here. We're not here to just execute on these jobs. Like we're here to grow, like we're here to execute, but also like bounce off each other and just grow. Like we're constantly developing uh, each other and pushing each other. And I think that's super important for any cultures to have that, you know, for that to be the core of a culture is that growth mindset. Yeah,
2: exactly. And when you risk and you win, it makes me feel like I can take that risk now. Because you risked and you won. Even if you risk and you lose and you learn from it, I'm like, all right, that wasn't that bad. They didn't die. Let me try that too. Um, And it's absolutely a culture thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's like, I mean, there's a ton of value there. Like we all, we
1: came from, us too, we came from like running our own businesses and doing like kind of solopreneur, like creative. And for me, I came from a team that was, it was direct and also like, hard at times, but helped me grow a lot. And so I was lacking that. And I was like, I need people around me because that's what helps me be better. That helps me be sharper Mm -hmm. and better as a creative and everything like that. And I think that like, if you could have that culture where you're like, just like where you pay to have those people around you or even to have good mentors, like it's probably harder to fund that, especially as like a younger creative, like without having worked in the agency and without having like a career, like built up, like, where do you find mentors? you know, outside of just yeah. like DMing and reaching out to people, but it's like a good way to keep that close. And that will, I feel like that'll accelerate your growth past all these people that are just trying to figure it out. Cause they're just like walking down all these roads and being like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to figure it out. It kind of, yeah. you want to fast track.
0: I, I think too, when you're on that, when you're, when you're on that fast track to growth or when that has that mindset and you, and you get to a certain point, that's where the magic really comes in. And that's, that's where that glow comes in that glow. You can't get off of you. And clients, you know, it's, it's literally magic. People see it. It's just like this, you radiate a, a different type of energy, whether you're by yourself or you're what you're looking at a team and you're just like, that looks like a team I want to work with. Like, these guys are awesome. Or these guys look like studs or I can feel their presence. And that's the presence that I want to be around. And so it, it, not only is it great for yourself because you're going to see it help you grow as a person to help you grow your business, but you're going to start to radiate this energy that people just want to cling to. And it literally is magic.
2: Yeah. And it turns on, like we see people come in and they're like kind of shy kind of closed off. And then they start opening up in studio because of who they're around. And then they start opening up in public and then they come back. They're like, man, I closed Harley Davidson. It's like, yeah, no shit. Cause you showed <laughs> up with passion for the first time in two yeah. years, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um Yeah, absolutely. And it is tough by ourselves. Like, I think that so many people, when they become solo entrepreneurs, like they think that that means playing it alone. And like, no one wins alone. Nobody. It doesn't happen. So, um, you know, it's $200 a month and it's an investment, you know, they write it off and like, I think it pays back multiples. I think it's cheap. They always want us to raise the price. Like once member's are in for a while, they're like, why isn't this $500 a month? And it's like, I mean, you can give me 500 if you want, <laughs> but a bonus, Yeah, you know, I think it's worth it. So, so what's next for you
1: guys? Like what do you guys have? So you guys have like your core kind of offering. What are you guys planning for the future? Can you, can you say, or what's the big vision?
2: Yeah. So we just felt like part of what makes it hard for creative freelancers in particular is that the industry as a whole doesn't play a team. So like one person comes in and undercuts your price and now the whole price has collapsed in the industry. You know what I mean? And so we've just felt like the more pseudo members we have, the less of that there will be. And like people will be thriving in their careers. And so I think what there's a couple of things for us. One was like, we've kept the network really small and our investors have been aligned with that. And now we're like, okay, we're ready for like 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 members. So let's get to that point. So that's definitely part of it, but mostly because like studio is dope at that many members. Like anywhere you travel will be studio members. People are passing jobs around. They do that now, but like they'll start passing jobs around like crazy once they're that, that many members. So we start, really start seeing that happening. But the, the last thing is that like we started to learn that people thriving doesn't just mean more money because like some of our members crush it financially, but they are working like dogs and that actually isn't balanced. And so what we're learning right now is like thriving as a creative professional doesn't just mean like making 300 grand a year. It's like making the amount of money where you can live a lifestyle you want without trade-offs. And so we're kind of trying to figure out how do we get people there and like that be the product because we want people to live these fuller lives. Like that Mike and that Mike and my co-founder live, like Mike can go surfing every morning because of how we decided to run this business. And how do we get creative entrepreneurs to do the same thing? You know?
0: Mm. Yep. You gotta you gotta charge your batteries. You gotta you gotta feed the soul first.
2: You have to and like stop giving our power away to everyone else, letting them control our schedule for sure. Yeah. But once money's involved, we'll like, you know, we'll for some reason we just give our power away. Because I think that's the benchmark. Like people look at money
1: as the bench. Like when you don't have money, you look at money as the benchmark. And you're like, when I have the money, I'll be successful. And then when you have the money, you're like, damn, I could really use a little lifestyle right now. Like I could, I could use a morning surf sesh or whatever. And it's almost hard to go backwards. But if you start from square one and be like, this is the life that I want. How do I build up to that? I want to make money and I want to have creative freedom. There's a solution. There's always a solution. Like, I feel like life is just about figuring out a solution to the problem. It's just like starting with that in
0: mind. Well, it starts with that blueprint, right? So you have to have a blueprint and the blueprint can change. You can, you can, you can do an addition on the home at any time, but start with something, you know, phase one, you hit phase one. Cool. Now all of a sudden you want to build something else. Okay, great. What does that addition look like? Build the next blueprint. But I think if you don't have an idea, what I see with 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 entrepreneurs and people in general is that they don't have an idea of what they want. They don't know what they want. I ask people, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. They can't tell you. Most people can't tell you what they want. It's mm-hmm. rare that a person can just be like boom, 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 boom. This is what I want. You know, and so if you don't know what you want, you're all you're never gonna you it's like pouring water in a bucket with a massive hole. It's constantly bleeding because you're what you exactly. want is constantly changing. It's constantly going back and forth and you have no, it's hard to have an identity in that. It's hard to have an aim in that. And you yeah. feel lost. You're con- It's like, it's like, drowning almost in water you're not like you're not gonna die but you're just like <clears throat> breathing in water but every you morning. are
2: you're like dying a slow death yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and like owning what you want no matter how ridiculous it is because when you do drill like yeah. people like that what do you want what do you want what do you want, yeah, what do you want? and like once their <laughs> ego goes away they start saying weird stuff like i want to own a peacock like <laughs> that's fine <laughs> you can't do that yeah. someone does own a peacock in the world like that is a possibility if you just own that and so And just to circle back to accountability, you know, when we asked our members, like, what kind of working groups do you want? We knew business development would be one of it, one of them. But when we looked at responses, it was things like, I want accountability towards Mm self-care. I want accountability towards personal projects. I want accountability towards adventure. And so I think whatever you want, whatever your goals are, accountability has a piece. Because again, like I'll drop self-care for the job or I'll drop adventure for the job. Like I need someone to hold me accountable even to that that's what i really want um and so like we want there to be a place where like no matter where you are in your career and what's your goal is there's accountability for that um, man I want a peacock now I don't know where that came from but I felt like it was real I felt like it was true
0: yeah <laughs> dude a peacock coat on you bro could you imagine like, I think <laughs> games, a peacock coat, just like feathers that would be just so, out. <laughs> so baller bro when you sit down for like coaching calls and stuff you just, just say like... you just have it for that one event there's going to be that one time in your life where that event hits and you show up and it's just like mic drop <laughs>
2: You can only wear it once. Like, you only you once, really yeah. got to pick the right event. Yeah,
0: it is one time <laughs> and one time only. Um, Bryant Martinez, man, it's been amazing having you on the show. What a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Uh, before we wrap up, are there any parting words that you'd like to leave the AOV community with?
2: Yeah, for me, like my purpose in life is is like I just... I love pushing other people out of their comfort zone. And so if someone listens to this and needs to take some sort of action about it, I'm not trying to sell you. I just want to hear about the action you took. Uh, like, that's what inspires me. So you can find me on Instagram at, at bmartlives, B-M-A-R-T, lives, uh, or just brian at jointstudio.com. And honestly, like, if you take an action, just tell me about it, because that's what fuels me, keeps me going. Nice. Right, Let's so go.
0: Brian Martinez, yeah. baby.
2: Yeah. Thanks, guys.